Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. When, when the average person like you and I discuss legal topics, uh, we often use some basic conversational terms that we've all been familiar with for a, a good long time. And as I've learned over the years on this podcast series, the terms that we use conversationally uh, often have a much narrower or precise meaning among the legal community. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell with another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. And today we're going to discuss a few terms from the realm of family law and learn a little bit more about uh, what they really mean and whether or not some of them are even relevant anymore in the in the courtroom. Uh, there's been some changes in Illinois law that uh, has uh, eliminated some of them from the legal process. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. Guiding us through the discussion today will be Attorney Janae Pequeno. Janae is a family law attorney at Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, he's been doing this, as we were just discussing uh, before the podcast, for uh, a good 10 years now. So he's got a lot of background. He's going to enlighten us on uh, how things are changing. So good afternoon, Janae. Nice to have you with me today. Thank you, Jim, and greetings to all the podcast listeners out there. Uh, To to my original point, um, before we get into the specifics of our conversation, how how common is it you find in your work that the general public use of certain words and phrases in conversation that really are perhaps inaccurate. I would say whenever, you know, the general public is having a conversation, it's typically something that is maybe half the time it's not, you know, very accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we just pick things up and, and you know, we attach our own uh, definition sometimes. So let's, let's get that clear today. We're going to talk about family law issues, and that usually means divorce and parental rights. Um, and, and some of the terms when we do that, one one that certainly comes to mind has always been custody. We talk about custody. What What's changed with sure. regard to that specific term? Well, what has changed, Jim, is that custody has been scratched from Illinois's, uh, the Illinois Marriage and Dissolution of Marriage Act. They don't call it custody anymore. Hmm. Okay. And what, what's the new term? And, and I guess, in addition to the term, what, what exactly are we talking about? What, what's the concept mean according to the court? Well, it's it's been termed now parental responsibilities. And so, <coughs> when we have, uh, you know, just the, you know, the the basic parents who were never married now, and they have a child together there's not going to be custody of this child. There will be a residential placement of the child, and there's also going to be the parental responsibilities. Uh, same same as in a marriage. Um, there's, they also have that. But what we'll do now is, with parental responsibilities, the legislature expanded and detailed uh, more specifically the actual rights between the parents. It's not just extracurriculars and... Um, medical decisions and uh, just educational decisions. Now it's <clears throat> extra, you know, it's it's the extracurriculars plus um, records, parent-teacher conferences, um, 
you know, just much more detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, dentist, dentist appointment, um, any medical appointment. It's it's not just under one umbrella. It's yeah. like 15 different specific categories mm-hmm. that relate to, you know, children picking up um, the drop off of the children, the drop off location of the children. I mean, the law. I, I guess there was reason for it. Maybe there was a lot of. Uh, People that were not very detailed in drafting this, maybe you know, lawyers who did everything under the sun, uh, you know, general practitioners. I, I don't know why it came about, but you know, we we have to be a lot more specific nowadays with any kind of parenting plan. Uh, it's not called a joint parenting agreement uh, or a custody judgment. It's called an allocation agreement, an allocation judgment, and it's called a parenting plan now. So it's just the language has gotten um, very much added to it, and even the the rights have been more detailed, sort of micromanaging the decisions of both parents. And and there's a number of things to talk about today in terms of topics like this, and I want to get to them. But just as I hear you go through that, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of experience the last decade or so of doing this. Um, you know, from your point of view, does this does this help in making things more clear for parents? Does it just seem to be unnecessary language? Do you have a sense yet for whether or not the changes are effective? Well, in terms of how I view this, I think that the end game, you know, the probably the end sort of justifies the means here. <coughs> we'll see much more clarity and much more specificity with the final decrees. Um you know the the court shouldn't even accept them or sign them if they don't have all of these items checked off so there's a bigger checklist for the lawyers to go through um i think in some situations it may be overkill because the parents can cooperate i think it's extremely helpful in situations where parents are not very cooperative um and and we need to deal with that and and maybe you know a mother if they have the residential placement of the child is really you know adamant about where she picks up the child after soccer um or who's going to pick up the child after soccer that's you know if they don't care that much about it um then it's just another thing that the father can get and, and if you're more specific um uh, where sometimes small details like that would have been left out in the past. Sure, that's a lot of just day-to-day activity being being documented, but in- interesting changes. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> we we also used to talk about um, the right of a parent to spend time with their child, and I think we used to say it was the custodial and non-custodial parent, so the non-custodial parent had what was called visitation rights. Is that something that's also undergone changes? That, too, has been stricken from the vocabulary, Jim. Uh, It's no longer visitation. And a lot of the attorneys who primarily focus on domestic relations law, a lot of the attorneys were already adopting this language uh, previously. It's called, um, you know, parenting time. It's no longer visitation. It's not just, you know, for the parent. It's, uh, you know, for the children. It's also for the parent. And the parents are both necessary to to give the the children a sense of um belonging and and uh just a sense of commitment by both parents and being loved and uh, so that they can be assured in that you know that both parents mm-hmm. you know want them and <clears throat> that there's no abandonment going on here if one of them's not seeing them and and, and I recall once upon a time I I think we had talked about the fact that in some cases there's even 
again using the, the old term visitation rights for for grandparents. Do you do you still see that? Is that something that works its way into these agreements once in a while? It does. It does. I've even done some of that recently. But the new law in 2016 also accommodates for third party visitate well parenting time third party parenting time a lot of times the lawyers we still use the old vernacular and we might say custody and visitation but um that's going to be going away and you know the, it's parenting time and uh parental responsibilities now and so um but it it's it remains it, it just was kind of broadened a bit <clears throat> where it could be third parties and also maybe uh like uncles somebody who uh sees the child a lot if there's if they meet certain standing requirements uh it could be brought into beyond only grandparents maybe even step parents too uh, before they used to have a requirement that if you're a step parent you had to live with the child for more than 5 years now uh that 5 year requirement's been removed as well okay well uh, a number of changes and and we're hearing today from attorney Janae Pequeño of Lavelle Law he's uh, taking some time out to to join us on the podcast and uh, our topic is changes in terminology in, in family law cases here in Illinois. Uh, obviously, he's, he's deeply involved in that in the family law practice at uh, Lavelle Law. And um, not only does he offer the, the background and experience that you're hearing about, I'd like to note he's, he's also bilingual, offers assistance to the Spanish-speaking population, and I even just saw recently an article he posted uh, on the website in Spanish, so reaching out to additional communities there. Um, you'll see that if you visit Lavelle Law or visit uh, or follow the firm, I should say, on, on social media. Um, now, you mentioned, uh, if I heard you correctly, it was 2016. So was it just the beginning of this year that, that these uh, changes were put into effect? That's correct, Jim. January 1st, 2016, uh, it was signed into law in 2015, and it's actually called the IMDMA of 2015, but it takes effect <clears throat> January 1st, 2016. So we're we're in that now. Um uh-huh. one one simple child support change that happened in 2016 also was that now if you have student loans, you can use that as a deduction on your income. And if somebody's paying uh health insurance taxes federal and state, they can also include uh student loans as a reduction uh for child support purposes. Okay, and that that was the third big topic I was going to get to is support. Is that do we still refer to child support, and and is that change in there? Are there any changes beyond what you just mentioned in terms of how things are calculated today? There's no change uh, as to what I just mentioned. There mm-hmm. has been a House Bill, uh, I believe it's House Bill uh, 3982, which is uh, when it gets past and eventually it will but maybe not anytime soon it will totally uh up upend the Illinois child support uh calculations you know right now Illinois is antiquated and we go with percentages only you know if you have one child it's 20% if you have two children it's 28% if you have three children it's 32% and so on there's percentages allocated to how many children you have um but <clears throat> other states uh and this is you know why, why I think Illinois should should move to this kind of thing is where if you lived in Indiana if your you know child's mother is earning let's say 50,000 a year and you're earning 65,000 a year <clears throat> most likely in that scenario the father in Indiana 
is going to be paying less child support than they would here because those those states uh, take into consideration the income uh, the income of the the mother you know it's mm-hmm. not just solely based on the income of the father any longer and the new the new statute the proposed statute would require that tables be drafted by the Illinois Department of Health Care and Family Services. <clears throat> and they came up with the table where they can allocate the percentages according to how much people make. You know, if you make more than 50, if you make more than $25,000, more than the person, you know, the mother of the, mm-hmm. of the children. Um, you know, it would be much more fair. I had a situation recently, Jim, where, you know, I had a, a, a doctor and his wife was a doctor, and, you know, he was paying roughly as much as uh, a Chicago Bears player was paying who made, you know, millions of dollars in a year, and this doctor made under $500,000 a year. It's, You know, it, there's no rhyme or reason right now. These judges are just, you know, uh, swinging from the hip, and, uh, and, and any high-income earners, they're just swinging from the hip, uh, and it's unfortunate. Wow. Um, yeah, well, you know, we so always, you can uh, go to a different have, judge. Yeah, you can go to a different yeah. judge and have a completely different result. There's no, the law shouldn't provide for that, but it does right now. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I've heard similar stories to that. So I think that may be an interesting topic for us to to tackle in a future discussion because I think there's uh, quite a bit there. Um, just real quick, we've got to ramp up here, but um, because these are always very difficult and emotional scenarios, and we're talking money and and you know, uh, responsibility, things like that. Do you usually just find it's best with, with your client to sit down and kind of talk through things first and let everyone kind of catch their breath and then put a plan together before trying to make decisions too quickly <clears throat> on how these will be handled? Yeah, that's always the best way is just to find out what, you know, your client's goals are. And there's a lot of laws that are, you know, applicable in a certain situation, but not every law is applicable in every situation. So uh, the better... Uh, you know, practice would be to have a, a specified plan of, of action to to go mm-hmm. and ex- you know execute in the court system. Yeah. Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, out of time as usual. We get a great deal of information from Attorney Janae Pequeno of Lavelle Law. So, I uh, want to thank him for being with us today. Always a great conversation. Thank you for listening as well. And uh, again, check out uh, his profile at LavelleLaw.com and swing by here again for future discussions as we have more. Uh, topics to cover with uh, he and other attorneys on our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 